Welcome, friends. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's praise the Lord. Let's sing God's praises because the Lord is faithful, holy, just, and true. The Lord takes pleasure in the people. Let the faithful sing for joy. We are confident and bold to come before the throne of grace and to see our sin for what it is and to receive the forgiveness which is offered to us. So let us confess our sins together. Gracious God, our sins are too heavy to carry, too real to hide, too deep to undo. Forgive what our lips tremble to name, what our hearts can no longer bear, and what has become for us a consuming fire of judgment. Set us free from a past we cannot change. Open to us a future in which we can be changed, and grant us grace to grow more and more in your likeness and image, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Friends, hear the good news of the gospel. Christ died for us. Christ rose for us. Christ reigns in power for us. Christ, even now, is praying for us. In Jesus Christ, we are a forgiven people. Believe this good news and live in its peace. Thanks be to God. And may the peace of Christ be with you, my friends. We live our forgiveness and our gratefulness to God by living and obeying God's word. Hear now the words of Jesus and the word of God. Jesus said, if your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you have won them over. But if they will not listen, take one or two others along, so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. And if they refuse to listen even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. Truly I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, truly I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three gather in my name, there am I with them. Amen. May it be so to the glory of God. Let's once again go to prayer in this dialogue and this conversation that we have with the Lord in worship. As God has spoken, now we respond and we will hear God again. Let's pray. O oh, Holy Spirit, as your word is read and preached, may your divine presence be sensed among the people, opening minds to increase understanding and opening hearts to bind us together in your love. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. I'm reading for you in the New Testament from the book of Romans, chapter 13 and verses 8 to 14. 
hear God's word for us today. The Apostle Paul said to the church at Rome, Let no debt remain outstanding, except the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and whatever other command there may be, are summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. And do this understanding the present time. The hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber, because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh or the sinful nature. This is God's word for us today. Thanks be to the Lord. The first 11 chapters of Paul's letter to the Roman church focuses on the nature of the gospel, that is, the good news of God's unconditional love for us in Jesus Christ. In order to love others, we must first grasp the truth that God loves you as if you were the only person on earth. The Father's mercy and kindness reached to such a length as to send the Son to woo people in love back to God. It is through Christ's life, death, resurrection, ascension, and glorification that there is forgiveness of sins and new life for those who, by faith, trust in Jesus for deliverance. This is what the scripture calls grace. It's a steadfast, committed love that seeks out others for no other reason than that they need help, that they need love. And this is both the foundation and the motivation for Christian love. It is always the open season on love. Whenever you see the phrase, one another, in the New Testament, it's talking about fellow Christians. And whenever there is the phrase, the other, or others, or fellow man, or fellow person, the Bible is talking about outsiders, in other words, unbelievers, or non-Christians. Therefore, Paul's vision for the church is that it should love all people, without exception. So we need to do away with any kind of notion that the church being like a country club that caters to members who pay their dues. Instead, let's stick with biblical metaphors for Christians, such as being light instead of dark, or wearing clean clothes instead of dirty clothes, meaning to live holy lives in order to exhibit a holy love toward outsiders. We know we're supposed to love. That's not a new message. None of us walk away saying, well, that was new, I'll be. The Bible actually says I'm supposed to love other people. How about that? (laughs) It's not a new message. 
And yet, at the same time, we all know there is a lack of love in this old fallen world, and sometimes even in the Church of Jesus Christ. When author John Shore did research for a book titled, <clears throat> I'm Okay, You're Not, The Message We're Sending Nonbelievers Toward Christianity, to his surprise, the over and above response he got from those outside of the Christian faith was, why do Christians hate us so much? Over the past several years, I have actually defriended <clears throat> several of my brothers and sisters in the faith from Facebook because their postings were just so often filled with hate toward the other, sometimes even toward me. <laughs> Feeling justified to hate another person does not come from the New Testament scriptures. We as Christians owe the world our love, not our hate. Everyone needs a friend. Everybody needs relationships. All people are created in the image of God and therefore deserve the dignity of conversation and relationship rather than being looked at as a project or overlooked altogether just because they are different or because they don't fit in. According to Paul's message, we cannot really love one another in the church or love the other if we are continually indulging our old sinful nature, our flesh. Like wearing a set of dirty clothes, we are to take off our selfish sinful desires and put on the new clean clothes of God's love in Jesus Christ. If we are giving love, then there is no room to give dissension or jealousy. If we commit to exercising our spiritual gifts given by God, there is not enough time in the day to think about how to gratify our sinful impulses. In loving our neighbor, we won't break any commandments concerning murder, theft, adultery, coveting, lying, or dishonoring anyone. In other words, we will not do anything unloving. This is not a matter of gritting our teeth and pushing ourselves to accomplish love by simply trying harder. Instead, it's a matter of receiving love so that we can give love. We are to be in a continual rhythm of life that receives and gives. Giving without receiving is a one-way road to burnout and leads to an inability to love. Receiving without giving is to stockpile grace and results in unloving words and actions. Another potential hindrance to a life of love has to do with the law of keeping the rules. The law is good, yet the law has its limits. It cannot change a life. Only love can do that. The law must serve the love of God and neighbor and not the other way around. The law must bow to the demands of love. In Dickens' classic, A Christmas Carol, Ebenezer Scrooge was a law-abiding citizen. And when faced with the needs of those less fortunate, old Scrooge appealed to the law. He saw no need for loving actions or loving words when there were already poor houses, relief organizations, and prisons in operation. It's like saying today that I am a tax-paying, law-abiding citizen and have 
no obligation to the other. This brings us back to relationships. It's easy to say people need to work harder and not be lazy when we are not in a relationship with anyone who is in need. Furthermore, it can be easy to indulge our sinful nature when we believe that we have earned the right to our law-abiding selves to speak ill of the other and even to a brother or sister in Christ. Paul's response to this attitude is instilling a sense of urgency to love. The day of the Lord is much nearer now than it was when Paul penned these words. God will not settle for anything less than the transformation of the world. Instead of giving us a three-ring binder full of organizational charts for how to change the world, Paul saw that nothing will ever change without basic human kindness and a concern of relating in love to other people, no matter who they are. Our task as followers of Christ is to engage in the tedious and patient construction of souls through loving words and actions over an extended period of time. We need to take a sort of Christian Hippocratic oath to do no harm to our neighbor, but to do everything within our power to love them. Paul's vision for us is to love one another in the church and to love others in the world. Within the Roman church, there were both Jews and Gentiles. They were to love one another. Paul wanted the Jews to get out of their exclusive Jewish-only group and love Gentiles. He wanted Gentiles to get out of their Gentile-only ghetto and love Jews. They were to have a shared vision together of loving each other so that they could collectively love others in the city of Rome. One of the reasons this was so hard for them is that they had differing understanding, understandings of how to live the Christian life and how to worship together. The only way they could overcome their obstacles was by understanding each other, by interacting and listening to one another. More than that, Paul wanted them to champion each other, to encourage one another, by letting go of their personal preferences. In this way, they had a better chance at loving each other, and so loving the surrounding culture. Genuine love does not meet needs in order to get something back from the other. True Christian love seeks the other's best interests just because God has shown unconditional love to us. Whenever we keep thinking about what others can do for us, we are not operating out of the reserves of grace that God first showed to us. But if we consistently receive love from God, we can then give love to others. When growing up, our moms would say to us that if there is a kid on the playground playing by themselves, go play with that kid. If you see a kid getting bullied or picked on, stand up for that kid. Those two pieces of parental wisdom can serve the church very well. When we see lonely people or even groups who are by themselves, go interact with them and love them. 
when we see individuals or particular groups of people getting bullied, stand up for them. Our guiding principle is love. The hour has come to wake up and have eyes to see the people all around us in need of grace so that we can be long on the love of God, deep in our love for each other, and wide on the love for others in this world. O oh, Lord God, make us instruments of your love. Help us see every circumstance as an opportunity to grow in love. May we then take this love to others through being patient, kind, gentle, blessing instead of cursing, and quick to forgive. May we take no pleasure in criticizing others, but in being gracious, as is our Lord Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for joining me today. And before we go, let's do one more piece of prayer. And that is, let us say the Lord's Prayer, the Our Father, together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. And now, as we go out into the world and seek to love others, we go with the blessing of God. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the encouragement of the Holy Spirit be with you all, now and forever. Amen. Go in peace, brothers and sisters, to serve the Lord. Amen.